Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. Well, I'm Slash and Jacks. I'm Tim O. Man, we're on the board. SB Futures down 875. Nancy Futures down 2575. Do we have Mr. Brendan? I'm here, Chief. How are you this morning? I'm doing all right, but uh, I don't know if you want to ask Webby how he's doing. Maybe we should, though. <laughs> yeah. What the, what's going on here? Yeah. Well, the reason uh, we're starting a few minutes late is because uh, when I woke up this morning, very early, you know, uh, wanting to be on time, I uh, went to take a shower, and my shower water didn't turn on. So I was like, that's weird. Went to the sink, nothing. Uh, went to a, a different bathroom, same, same thing. Realized, that obviously, the water's turned off. Um, wasn't sure what was going on. Went down in the basement. Obviously, it rained all day yesterday, nonstop, for 24 hours. And I could hear water sort of gushing, but there was nothing in the basement. Um, so I went outside, and it appears that a water main broke right in front of my house. And the whole entire street, res- you know, residential side street in the city is completely flooded. And water's just gushing out, and water starting to build up around the side of my house. So kind of an emergency situation. So we called the city, and they said they're going to send people out but who knows how long that takes so uh, anyway not a great way to wake up on a tuesday and are you are you the highest point or are you the lowest do you know you l- i it, we live in chicago it's dead flat i couldn't tell okay you. so there's not a, it's not like one guy's gonna get there's water. probably a difference of about three feet yeah <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> unless you're unless you're at dan ryan woods <laughs> but we're right in the middle of the street and the it, it's it literally happened right in front of our place of course uh, so it's affecting every house on the street, but it's affecting ours the worst at the moment. Um, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, the neighbors called. They said it's never happened before the Webbers moved in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, it rained all day yesterday, and, um, you know, I don't know. I don't get the connection between the, the – I, I hope there's no connection between the rain and the, and the fresh water pipe. I wouldn't think so. I don't no. know. But um, it It's just probably seemed, just the age of the, of the water pipe. It could be. It just seemed coincidental that – the first day in a, in a while where it rained for 24 hours nonstop that this happens. But maybe it's this coincidental. I don't know. We well, had don't a, worry. We've got the deep tunnel project to solve yeah, all we those problems. Yeah, we got that figured out. <laughs> well, I'm, I can live without water for a few hours, but if uh, if all of a sudden water starts gushing into my house, I'm not going to be that's thrilled pro- with that. That's a problem. Yeah. Like uh, like that flood uh, throughout all the Sitka Loop areas from the yeah. Kinsey Station when they punctured that a number of years ago. That's when they had the had the report on somebody's desk for two months to go ahead and fix it. They never fixed it. That sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. So when you call three one one and report an emergency water main break and then no water in your house, and they say right away we'll put in two tickets, one for the water and, and one for the break. Uh, how long does that take before someone comes? Uh, I assume that's considered could, to be a relative. Could relatively be an hour. Could be uh, a week. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's not the answer I wanted to hear. I would say at the end of the show, I would call the alderman's office immediately. Yeah, it seems... Uh, You're not going to be the only one calling, by the well, way. Well, I know. It seems like uh, they're going to get a, a bunch of calls this morning as people start waking up. We, we might have well. been one of the first ones because we called you know, at 5 a.m., 5.15. But uh, uh, I imagine they're going to get a bunch of calls. So I would assume that would be considered, if a bunch of people have, their, have no water... That would be considered. Well, the first thing they're going to do yep. is turn it off, so it's not flooding anymore. Yeah, that that, that somebody should be able to do that reasonably okay. easily. You would think so. It should be done by now. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it is. So yeah. I remember? would think they'd also have sensors. I think they've got sensors for when water mains break, even because, like yours happened, obviously in the middle of the night. So yeah. people don't know until they yeah. start waking up at five, six, seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, Mitty, we were you were. Our place when the, when they put the new main in the street. Where, where were you? Um, well, they did it in front of my condo. Uh, so, pretty much, yeah. I mean, they they replaced Armitage one piece at a time. So I was definitely. No, I mean, there. I did it did a long seminary. It might have been before you moved in. Okay. And uh, actually, if you got up, this is when Jan and I were on the score from five to six. Well, you know, maybe not. Maybe, I don't. I can't remember. But it was whatever it was. You get you got up and. Uh, must have been when we were on this because they, they, the water came on exactly at like 10 after 5 every morning. So at 5 o'clock it didn't work at 10 after 5. And they, and they were they were on the, the number every morning. Wow. You know, well, you had a schedule. Yeah, they said, look, you know, the water's going to be out from midnight to whenever. And uh, at 10 after 5, you're sitting there. <laughs> you got the thing open, hoping you can take a drink or brush your teeth. All of a sudden, it See, come there's, on. there's a city efficiency. City at work. Oh, yeah. Right on time. Spot on. Keeping they, the trains moving. Absolutely. I can't remember the trains that oh, time. God, uh, unreal. So, Brendan, we had uh, we had all kinds of things going on. We've been talking too much about the name, image, and likeness. Not so much that I care so much about that, but I, I find this, and I hope I'm not boring hell everybody with. I find an absolutely fascinating economic uh, experiment going on right in front of our eyes. It, it reminds me so much of uh, the '70s when they when they deregulated everything, and all of a sudden the world just mm-hmm. found all new all new directions and. I think I'm I'm observing this just because it's almost like I feel like going back and being 25 again and writing a ter- writing a PhD paper on it or something. I mean it's it's really something what you're seeing spinning around in this and who's in charge of who and who's an employees of who and who gets to pay taxes on what. I mean it's it's just a fascinating subject. I mean I don't want to go through it every day, but uh, I, I'm I'm convinced. I have a question. Uh, you guys probably know. Maddie probably knows it. Maddie, if if you went out <clears throat> and tried out for like the uh, Crestwood baseball team, the ones that are not affiliated with anybody, and you make the team, and all of a sudden you're a stud cake uh, center fielder, and you immediately get noticed by the Cubs, and they want to sign you, do they have to pay the, the Crestwood guy uh, some kind of money? Because he's the one who found you. I mean, he obviously paid for your training and the coaching for I a I assume month. there's just a buyout in the contract that goes to that team. So there is some comp- I think too. There yeah. is some sort of compensation. Yeah, I would assume so. I assume they have a standard contract that says if you get purchased by a by anyone, um, then you know we're owed whatever piece, just like they do in Japan. Whenever you okay. whenever you buy a, a, a whenever a, a, a big league team buys a Japanese player, they have to a big portion of that goes to the team. Because where, where I'm heading with this is uh, economically, it's already starting to set up that way in college football. And Kevin was stunned. Kevin who knows all this stuff. Kevin was stunned when. And uh, you know it, it might be off by a couple, but there's already like 25 grad students on scholarship at Notre Dame. Wow! That, that's out of the 85 scholarships that you can give out. So it looks to me <clears throat> like what's going to happen is 
the big schools are going to look to the smaller schools, not not be as concerned about the high school players, and they're going to say, Miami of Ohio is, or or even, you know, I don't know about the, uh, Wake Forest or something like that, but the, those schools are going to they're going to get the high school players, and at the end of two or three years, they're going to transfer into these other schools, and I and I have a feeling if that happens a lot, that the other schools are going to want to get compensated, just like the Crestwood team. And why shouldn't they? Well, that's interesting. I mean, that's an interesting dynamic because, um, you know, I heard a comment during the Notre Dame game the other over the weekend that Hartman went to Notre Dame instead of going pro primarily because of his NIL and the deal he worked out with Under Armour. Um, so that was a significant factor in him going to Notre Dame instead of either retiring or making it to the pros, which was very interesting. Now, when you're talking about, you know, second-tier Division two teams uh, recruiting people and finding those those gems. Uh, two things. One, how many of them will actually make it into the upper level? It's not like it's a minor league system that's going to feed into the major colleges. I mean, the major colleges, first of all, have, have their own teams and scouting abilities. Not all of them pan out. So I wonder how much are going to go both ways so that there's almost like a trading system where – Ohio State trades to Miami of Ohio, and uh, it, 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 whether it's actually a trade or effectively a trade, will be interesting to find out. Um, well, I, I guess what I'm saying is that since you have a total of uh, scholarships, that's essentially uh, the uh, 25 scholarships that you don't give to underclassmen. Mm-hmm. So those guys right. are those guys are going someplace. Right. Yeah, and you're right. They're going to have to go to Division two or Division three teams and try to make their way, or uh, or a lesser Division one school. Yeah, or they might they might go to you know, I won't say it out loud. They might they might go to Purdue or Indiana or someplace, mm-hmm. or Northern Illinois. I mean, and all of a sudden, the kid is real good. He, he wants to finish his last two years at Ohio State or Notre Dame or Alabama or someplace. They're just going to they're that, that's what's because this is going to keep happening. The point is, if all of a sudden somebody every year gets five or six of his best players plucked by somebody else, at some point he's going to say, hey, I got him here, I fed him, <laughs> I did everything, and I coached him for two years, I want something. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. you? Why wouldn't you? Well, I think you, you would want it, um, but, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and what the rewards are and how often that happens, how often that really happens. Are there, are there teams, are there college teams that really develop that many players that will go on to Division one top tier schools uh, that make it on a routine basis. I'm, I'm not. I'm not necessarily talking about Division two. I'm talking about lesser Division ones. Yeah. No. I, I, well, I, I think it's the same thing. Yeah. Even if, if you're looking at lesser teams, will they go to the Ohio States? Will they go to the Alabamas? Will they go to, you know, uh, the, the top tier teams after a couple of years? How often is that going to happen from from any one given program? Well, I mean, you can look at the fact you can look at the fact that Notre Dame is twenty five graduate students on scholarship, but did those twenty five teams come from two schools or twenty five schools? Well, what does Colorado have? Many eighty. Yeah, they that's an aberration. That's that's a complete outlier. But the, yeah, they brought in like ninety players, I think. This well, year. look at the look at the difference. And I'm going to say this is more of a Matt Weber, Kevin O'Neill question, but look at the difference between how Texas. I'll use the term, has embraced the new world. And I'm going to say Saban has resisted it for a while, and look who won on Saturday. 
Well, Saban hasn't had to play this game for a while because he was drawing talent just by his reputation and by Alabama and what they've done. The rules are changing for him as other people are. Uh, well, I mean, remember the days when, when college football teams had 150, 200 players on their team mm. and they just stockpile? Most, most, I think, I could be wrong here. Uh, I think when I was in school, what was a while ago, when you were in school, I think you could give a maximum of 30 scholarships a year. You could only have a, a total of 100 guys on scholarship. I think that was the highest I ever saw. I don't think it, okay, I remember it being a little bit higher than 100 may, for some schools, but it was but it was maybe. never four times the amount that you could give in one year. I don't I don't think you would think if you give 30 a year, it should be 120, but it it never was for some mm-hmm. reason. Um, but I have another question: the Under Armour deal for this guy. It just so happens Under Armour sponsors the Irish. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, uh, and one of our buddies. Uh, that we once in a while have an adult beverage with Zinnikar and he sends me a text of him and his his buddy's kid now I don't know I, you know, I don't. if I knew his name I wouldn't say it uh, but I don't know so, so I can't say it uh, I see the kid's picture uh, kind of a big kid, good looking kid uh, he, he just got a six or seven figure deal with somebody and he's in high school now I'm going to say that if you follow the money say that if Under Armour gave Hartman all this dough and he says, okay, I'm going to a Nike school, uh, that would go over like a fart in church. That's not going to happen. I'm, I'm, saying mm-hmm. there's a, I'm saying there's a connection between the two. I but, believe that's true. And I'm going to say that he's really an employee of Under Armour's. Mm-hmm. And this, this kid, whoever he is, and sitting in the car with my buddy, I'm going to say whoever gave him that deal is going to direct him to the scholarship they want him. If Nike is given, uh, was it Nike was given Oregon? Maybe it was Oregon all the money? Or was that the guy from Microsoft? Nike was uh, the, was Oregon. Okay. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to say if, if Nike gives Brendan, your son, a bunch of dough coming out of college, I'm going to say he probably is going to go to Oregon or some other well, Nike school. Or some other Nike school. Yeah, it, it's a limited number of schools. He's not going to have the full panoply of schools available to him. Yeah, he's not going to say, guess what, I'm going to Notre Dame. And the guy going, no, you're not. <laughs> not. Not with this deal, I, I, I think. So the question is, whose employee I, I are these people? I think that's right. Whose employee are these? I mean, this, this whole concept of people, I mean, I, you know, you've, you've worked in various law firms. I don't know how you deal with the fact that you've got 15 lawyers ele- uh, uh, essentially uh, allegedly working for you, getting paid by a third party that you can't control. Well, first, they're not—they're not going to be deemed employees as such. I mean, so, I mean that's—that's that's a technical term in the labor law world. So, I mean, Northwestern found that out a couple of years ago when they filed suit, claiming that their student athletes were employees of the university. I think that could change with some of the way things are going right now, but they're not there yet. So, while they're—they're they're going down the road of being employees, they're not there yet. Um. I actually think they're going the other way. They're, if anybody, they're they're employee of Under Armour or Nike. Well, what I mean is they're n- they're not. Uh, I don't think that they're employees there yet in the legal sense of the word. Well, they're they're. I think they're, they're sponsored. They're they're sponsored. Um, so, but I I don't think they would fit the term of employee. I haven't seen their contract. I, I would agree. But I, I don't they're, think they're yet. They're ten ninety nine people. They're sponsored, right? 
I mean, um, it, it, I mean it's a salary. I mean, he's got to pay taxes on what he gets. He does have to pay taxes on what he gets, but I think that the, the interaction between a Nike or an Under Armour and the kid and the and the athlete may not put them in the category of being an employee just yet. So well, I think, they're, they're definitely uh, not an employee of, of Nike or Under Armour in the sense that they can you know, tell them what they got to be at work at 8 o'clock or anything like that. Mm-hmm. that but now Notre Dame can, and they manage to dodge that bullet. But, you know, it's even weirder. Yes, they, well, I promise not to get into whatever I knew it because it, it is so much. Hartman, the, uh, the guys, I don't know if you guys watched the game at all, but uh, as brutal as that was, with the, after the rain delay, the amount of commercials was brutal. And all he did was complain about how the game was supposed to be on is on another channel, even though they kept going commercial after commercial. So, anyway, mm-hmm. bizarre world. But they were talking about how Hartman gave, when everybody went to. Uh, over to Ireland for that game, he gave everybody, I don't know if it was everybody in the offense or whoever, gave everybody a pair of slip-on shoes so they'd be comfortable on the plane right. and, a, and, a, and a new set of earbuds. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say 225 hours worth of stuff. Now, I, I'm interested to know whether that stuff came directly from Under Armour or they shipped him you know, 100 pairs of shoes or 50 and he, and he parceled them out. If they shipped them to him, that's got to be income. They shipped them to everybody else. At some point, you know, I, I know schools have always been, uh, you know, and Maddie knows this better than me. If, if they if they tried out the green uniforms, the guy can keep his green shirt. I mean, they're not going to take it and give it to somebody else or sell it after the guy wore it, obviously. But I'm not so sure if he started giving people all kinds of stuff other than that, that doesn't become income either, Brent. I mean, I'm sure it does at some point. I mean, mm-hmm. after, after 600 bucks, you know, if you're paying a guy to mow your lawn, if you deduct it, you better give him a 1099. And oh, by the way, he owes 90 bucks. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, that there are there are limits as to what can be done, and I heard that comment too that that the team was really happy that Hartman hooked them up with their with their headphones and their shoes, uh, their slippers for the tr- for the trip. And I I wondered the same thing. How is this being treated, and what does it mean towards income for the students? I think the announcer should probably sh- the announcer they, should shut up. How on. how would that be treated? Well, if it, 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 it's a gift. If if the if the stuff goes to Hartman and he gives it to them, as long as he stays under what's the gift tax eleven grand or something, as long as he stays under that, they're not in trouble. But that stuff's got to be considered income to him. You don't just ship somebody hundred pairs of shoes for nothing and deduct it. Well, I mean, does it go to him or does is it to to the students to well, that's the what I'm program that gets shipped? Well, now that's another that's another issue. I mean, the, the schools have gotten away with this. To a huge amount by not paying people, but well, can they give everybody a car? I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and say it's not income. I, well, I don't. It depends I don't on what the NIL agreement is. <laughs> no, I'm saying <laughs> the schools have gotten away with. Uh, and I know what's the deal if you go if you go to the uh, Rose Bowl, Manny, they give you a huge box of crap that are donated by various and sundry people. Yeah. It's worth a bunch of money, but I think it's coming from. A bunch of the outsiders, and I'll bet you that they are under under their limit, and, every, and they know exactly what they're doing. So you're getting a basket that's, you know, this this restaurant, this plus, and every one a dollar probably, under. It's probably they're probably if the limit's a hundred bucks, they're all ninety nine dollars or something like that. But but yeah. at least somebody's got their eye on the rules. Yeah, and, and it'll be just. I agree that it'll be just under until all of a sudden somebody moves a decimal point one spot, and it's ten dollars over or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like if you give a. On a trading floor, allegedly, you couldn't give anybody a gift, uh, you know, over fifty bucks or whatever. So everybody's got a bottle of booze. It's forty nine dollars, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
but you know, which is which. You know, hopefully you're not going to be able to bribe anybody for fifty bucks for God's sake. But you hope that. Yeah, you would hope not. But uh, but I mean, this this is it is fascinating to play. And, and are the are the is the IRS and people just going to let it all go because it's college sports? No, they they won't let it all go. This this will be five years down the road. We'll be seeing all sorts of scandals. Limited, you know, talking about this. Um, and I, you know, I think this is one area. The the new gambling regulations or lack of regulations is going to be another area in the next couple of years. We're in a world of transition right now, especially with college sports. Why do people? Why why do people think that people change? I mean, when you and I were growing up, you couldn't even in the off season. I don't think a, a professional ball player of any sport could even be seen in a casino. No. They couldn't. But the idea was that even if you're not betting on your games, if you run up a debt, you could you could be coerced or co-opted, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Right. And now it seems like it's not a problem. All of a sudden, everybody's perfect. I mean, what yeah. what is what is with the change here? I don't get it. Well, I think I think that we should go to the expert for that. Let's talk to Pete Rose. Yeah. How do you think he feels right now? <laughs> well, but he, he uh, he's got you know everybody you know I get this core thing that I read. Everybody's convinced that it's it's just the gambling. And hey, what's the problem? Because Ty Cobb gambled and uh, Tris Speaker gambled, and they were admitted gamblers. They bet on games that they were playing in back in the day. Evidently, the, the the case against Rose is not just the gambling. It has a lot to do with him uh, selling like you know however many three thousand hit bats. You know, mm-hmm. not one, maybe maybe twenty of them type of thing, and that he's got all kinds of other issues that have nothing to do with the gambling. The gambling is just a headline. Well, that that's true. I, I, I know that it's a very complicated case. That was a bad example on my part to bring up is the, the highlight of this. But my point is that you're right. When you know, Many years ago, ball players couldn't be seen even walking past a casino or walking out the door of a casino because of the tank of gambling. Now you've got a gambling venue uh, as part of the Ridden Field uh, campus. And, and you see it all over the, the advertisements for, for sporting events. You know, look at a football game. How many DraftKings uh, uh, commercials are there during a football game? Well, I mean, it, it, it reaches, it's one thing to say, uh, we'll, we'll bet, you know, if, if you're Horner, which I don't think he would, he pr- looks pretty straight to me. It's one thing for him to bet on the Cubs to win, which, you know, you, you don't want to see that. It's quite another if they're, if, uh, Guys like Matty Weber are, are voting on, or betting on how many stolen bases he's going to have during a game, and he knows it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, right. he tries to steal two bases, which he wouldn't have. Or, I mean, it's getting so minuscule now. Now you don't even you don't even know. I mean, they're betting on, on, on balls and strikes for God's sake. I mean, what if yeah. what if he start flashing the pitcher? You know what what the mm-hmm. deal is? I mean, uh, you know, you're right. It's but I don't know why we keep we seem so far down the road here before we even decide what a rule is. I, we didn't used to do this, but now we seem like we do it all the time. Yeah. Anyway, where are you here? Or are you uh, Michigan? Where are you? Well, I'm here. I'm uh, kind of stuck here right now because uh, I, I didn't want to say anything when Maddie was having his water problems, but we've had both of our car engines eaten by rodents over there. So both of our cars are now in dealerships getting wire repairs. Um, by the way, that happens there all the time. I could have told you yeah. that. Uh, we, we've also learned that in recent years, a lot of car manufacturers have uh, gone to a soybean-based covering, coating of plastic, which is really enticing to rodents. Um, our buddy Dr. J, John and Jerry, parked his 
Jaguar convertible in his garage in Michigan, and six months later he tried to start it, and the wires were gone. Well, it had to be like towed case. away. I, I don't. I don't think. I think they. They. I think they gave somebody a salvage title. They gave him a full. They gave him full money for it. I think they gave him fix it, or didn't mm-hmm. want to. I think they ate the interior too. Well, I've heard about that. A friend of ours had the same thing happen with the interior and getting into the into the interior stuff. In our case, we're not sure exactly how extensive, but so far, uh, the the totals for the for one car is close to nine thousand and close to four thousand for another car. I could rent you an old suburban. Could you? <laughs> well, if I had something else, it doesn't else. have soybean on the. On no, the no, it doesn't. Wiring, they, so believe me, the roads don't want the suburban. Nobody does. They don't want that. <laughs> no, well, good luck with all that. That's, wow, SB Fusion. You guys, you guys are like. I hope, I hope it doesn't like bleed over to this this room. What's going on with you guys this morning? SB Futures down twelve. Nasdaq Futures down fifty. Be right Keep back. Keep your doors and windows locked. Yeah, no kidding. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Here, Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 1250. SP Futures down 47. So we're giving up a little bit of yesterday's gain so far. Uh, Dow Futures down 77. I don't see any big mover this morning is this. And we'll get Joel's opinion on this. Is, uh, Oracle's down 10%, down 13 bucks. Uh, they had earnings last night. I tried to do an earnings play, and thank God I didn't get it. That would not have been good. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 63.4%. FTSE up 36.5%. Kick around down 13.2%. So mixed... Over Chappie over there, Chappie Chappie in Europe. DK, these guys were down yesterday, up today, up 308 points. It's a full 1%. Hang Seng down 70, hanging over 18,000, 18,025. Shanghai down 5.2%, uh, so not much going on. Uh, Country Garden shares went up. Remember, these guys made their interest payment last week with like an hour to spare after the 30 day grace period, but somehow or another, these they're, they're, their stocks are going back up a little bit. Yesterday, we were up pretty big. That was only up 87, but SPs were up 29, and NASDAQ was up 156. That's over 1%. Uh, bonds, uh, unchanged 4.29. Again, we the highest we've seen is 4.36, and we're approaching that number. The Bund uh, unchanged at 2.64. Japan unchanged at 0.71. They've had a big move the last couple days. Oil, up another 57 cents, 87.86. Ran up 48 cents, 91.12. Natural gas up 3 cents, 264. Arbob unchanged, 271. Gold. Down 11 bucks, 1936. It was up yesterday. Just cannot seem to get two days in a row. So we're down 21 cents, 23.16. Copper uh, down two cents at uh, 378. We've got Bitcoin 
which has been very quiet, not quiet today, up as a thousand bucks, twenty six thousand oh seven two. And tomorrow we have a Bitcoin expert on the show. That should be fun. The U.S. dollar is uh, a little bit stronger here. That's probably why gold is down. Uh, Euro is one oh seven. The pound under one twenty five, one twenty four six. Maybe what do you get for us, Trevi Weather Sports? So much for Rogers, eh? Yeah, coming up on 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have a couple of issues on the roadways. Earlier crash on the outbound Dan Ryan just before 18th Street is causing a bit of a backup, although the crash apparently is clear, but still some congestion from that if you're heading outbound on the Ryan. Uh, Bigger issues out in the western suburbs. An overturned vehicle blocking three left lanes on I-88 eastbound side just before Yackley Road. And that has uh, 88 completely jammed up uh, if you're coming in from uh, Naperville. Everything else looking good out there. Weather today, uh, after a rainy day yesterday, it should be a nice, uh, cool, pleasant day today. Sunshine with a high of 66. Right now it is partly cloudy and 58 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 97. Right now it's clear and 88. In sports, Cubs blew a two-run lead, then rallied back with two in the ninth to top the Rockies in Colorado last night, 5-4. White Sox were rained out. They'll play a doubleheader this afternoon against the Royals beginning at 3.40 p.m. Second game will follow 30 minutes or so after that. Four people there. Yeah. Uh, Diamondbacks beat the Mets 4-3. And in uh, NFL action last night, as Chief mentioned, uh, not a good night for Aaron Rodgers. Left the game after just four snaps. An apparent Achilles injury is what the Jets are fearing. We'll learn more today. Uh, But the Jets did win, coming back from 10 down at the half uh, to uh, return a punt for a game-winning touchdown in overtime and upset the Bills 22-16. Bills are supposed to be real good, right? Yeah, they're uh, definitely you know one of the favorites uh, as they have been the last few years. But Josh Allen was terrible last night. Uh, do we have Mr. Joel? How are you, buddy? Hey, good morning, Chief. Good Matt. Good morning, Matty Ice. I saw you uh, broadcasting uh, one of the games on. Uh, I'm not sure. Was it CBS? <laughs> How'd I do? <laughs> I, I thought he. Was, I thought you did pretty good. I you know I like to see neat, uh, new people in the booth there, but. Uh, What's going on, Chief? You want to talk uh, sports, or do you want to talk the markets? Well, it's uh, how about doing a little bit of both? Uh, Oracle, ouch! Uh, last night the earnings not so good. Uh, what are you making these these ten year rates uh, keep creeping up, creeping up, and yet the market looks like it wants to rally this week to make up for last mm-hmm. week's losses? Is, are both of those things going to continue or no? Oh boy, covered a lot there. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Oracle uh, historically has run into earnings and then just taken a dump afterwards. That's, you know, uh, I think you can run your uh, chat GPT and look through back over the years. Also had a big move up. Uh, I'm looking at the news on it, and they did absolutely everything right. Maybe uh, the projected growth is not as much. But, you know, when you take a look at stocks like Oracle, then you look at the run that they have in their earnings. I mean, they just got to blow it away. They had a good report. They didn't blow it away up near all-time highs. So down 13 bucks as we speak. And if Oracle's going to be Oracle, it's going to sell off for a couple weeks, find a base, and then... Uh, perhaps mount another rally. Uh, as far as the overall market goes, Chief, uh, you got a couple different dynamics going this week. Uh, first of all, you got some inflation numbers on Wednesday and Thursday. And if you look at the price of crude oil, you look at the way the bonds are acting. Oh boy, those month numbers might not be good, and that could put uh, that could be a little kink in the markets. Uh, so as I mentioned on Friday, or maybe didn't mention, you have quad witch expiration right on yep. Friday, and then 
Of course, you have your seasonal trade, uh, which is sell Rosh Hashanah by Yom Kippur. And uh, you have Rosh Hashanah commencing on Friday night, taking place also on Saturday, depending on, you know, uh, how strictly you follow the uh, religion. Uh, some people may be going to the Michigan football game on Saturday night. Uh, no names mentioned, uh, but uh, historically, uh, that's been a pattern that is held up okay over the years. What uh, what, what do you make of the some of these PE ratios that seem, <laughs> seem pretty high? I mean, I, I mean, I even even worry about you know Apple's coming out with their new phone, and people mm-hmm. are, people are all they've had uh, revenue down what three quarters in a row, but that they they sort of sometimes do that before a new phone comes out. So that's mm-hmm. not a, a, a ma- yeah, it's not a massive uh, red flag, but I just I mean I, how how perfect do they have to be when their PE's thirty and traditionally it's been like eighteen or nineteen? I mean it's I, uh, well if you I mean the company you know uh, in some respects is still growing you know maybe the revenue numbers haven't uh, haven't reflected that but different segments of their business has. Um, has uh, improved. I had Gene Munster on the closing print yesterday. If you guys want to go to my YouTube channel, premarketprep.com, had an interesting conversation with him, and he looked at it in the cycle, and he thinks that there's a lot that, that there, there's going to be a lot of upgrades. That are people that have had their phones for three, four, five years um, are going to be doing uh, their upgrades, and he just thinks that's the new normal. People want companies that make money. I think that's what. We've seen that's one thing Apple does is they do make money. They also have, you know, some stock buybacks going on that supports the stock. They got Warren Buffett behind it. So valuations on something like Apple, they really don't seem to matter until they matter. And uh, as far as these events go, I mean, there's a lot of anticipation. A lot of people were leaning long into the event, and then China kind of pulled the rug out from under that. So... Um, you know, it's the stock has performed. It's lived up to its expectations. It's been undervalued at times, and for those of you that uh, you know think it's overvalued at uh, you know thirty times earnings, then stay away from it and wait for a. Oh well, yeah, I don't. I'm I'm saying either you listen to uh, the dude yesterday, and people I've been watching just some people's offhand comments. Sometimes you can find out where what they really believe or what the world seems to really believe in. One of the guys lobbed one out yesterday. Well, because the the sales are down, they're going to raise the price of the phone a hundred bucks to make up for it. And, and I think we're seeing this inflation by these firms that are powerful. You know, the Home Depots, the WalMarts. They're they're able to to a certain extent mm-hmm. put the screws to the the customer uh, because they are quasi monopolies. To be honest, I mean, they're not monopoly monopoly, but certainly part of a cartel. But there, there, there's a sort of a limit to that, I think, Joe. But I, I don't know where the limit is. I mean, we, we don't, don't seem to have, have reached it maybe yet. The, uh, if you read the CNBC article yesterday about Kroger, talking about how they, uh, they're, they're raising prices in some areas, but all, all they've really done is raise the prices where they've maintained their profits, but now people are paying so much on the stuff they actually have to buy that the other stuff that they actually make more money on is fall, is they're not doing as well on. So it, it, it's never a zero-sum game. I mean, it, whatever you do one place, you're going to lose somewhere else. I mean, uh, you know, Apple's making the bet that if the phone goes up 100 bucks. that 100 bucks comes out of somebody else's hide and not out of their app hide. You know, I, I mean, think so too, Chief. I mean, if you look around just about 
you know, every stinking person you see, whether you travel or you're in an uh, airport or sporting event or grocery store, I mean, people have their iPhone, and it's it's a uh, it's a staple of the U.S. economy. Yeah, and I think people are going to you know pay that extra hundred bucks. That's just my opinion, and uh, um, or else they'll keep the old one. Also, they have fancy plans that you can do to uh, you know to stay you know to stay caught up and everything. So you know they might not buy a new car, they might not buy a new house. They might not, you know, make other buy a new boat, but you know what? People are going to buy their iPhones, and that that's uh, that's my opinion. Steve. I would I would agree. I mean, because it's the whole family that you're in. Joel, thank you very much, buddy. Go blue. You you are going to the game, eh? Who are you guys? I playing? am going to the game. I missed the first two. I was doing a little bit of traveling for the first time in uh, I I forever. Now I know that uh, Lisa and I are getting serious, is because I missed. Uh, Two home Michigan football games for a little bit of a vacation. So um, I'll be there. We're playing Bowling Green. I'm not expecting much. Uh, just trying to get the uh, defensive backs healthy. We're a little banged up. But boy, I tell you, Chief, my lip, my eyeball test is how many NFL players do you have on your team? And I know Georgia, I rumored to have 20 out well. of this year. Michigan might not have 20. But man, if you want to see some guys that are playing in on uh, playing on Sunday, uh, tune into some Michigan football this year. JJ McCarthy, our quarterback, ha- and I know he hasn't played anybody yet, but I have never seen a more accurate passer wow. wearing a Michigan uniform ever. Well, good for you. Should be good, some good games, buddy. Take care of yourself. All right, go blue. SP Futures down thirteen. Nasdaq Futures on forty-eight. Real quick break. Then Kenny Polkari. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Oh, great, great music. Wow. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamal. We're on the board. SP Futures down 13. NASDAQ Futures down 51. Uh, giving back a little bit of yesterday, but not a real lot of it. Kenny, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, confused by the market as usual, but, um, you know, it's just the way I am. You know? <laughs> I hear you. Well, it's got, the, it's got a way of confusing people, especially now because, you know, we have so many cross currents going on. You know, the Fed says one thing, and then the Wall Street Journal says something else, and then the Fed said something else, and then, you know, the eco data is mixed. And so it continues to be uh, 
a little bit chaotic, but I think actually there's some clarity coming, or at least I hope there is. Yeah, I think there, you know, I, I don't know if the, well, the clarity there might be coming. I just, you know, it's funny, uh, Kenny, I've been doing this, doing a show. Well, you've been doing doing CNBC. That's how many long, same time as me. Uh, you know, we back a long way, and, I, and as all these companies started to get concentrated and people zeroed in on, you know, a few phone manufacturers and a few this, few that. I mean, I was always very concerned that if you ever got into bad economic times, the the propensity or the ability, even if people weren't doing it at the beginning, didn't even really know they had the power, they really do have the power for predatory pricing. I mean, because at least in the short term, and and you yes. and you've got and now I, the, the situation is that I think you've got an awful lot of levels of society that are in varying degrees of recession, depression. And you're seeing that the people who have the pricing power, because there is no real alternative, are putting the screws to people pretty good. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, for instance, that Apple, which really only has, I say only, they have like, what, 40, 45% of the market, but they have a very dedicated, I'm not sure I'm exactly accurate on that, but I mean, they don't, they don't, it's not like they have 90% of the phone market. I mean, they don't. But, uh, right. they, but they still seem to have people in, embedded enough to where if they pop the phone 100 bucks, 150 bucks, Enough are going to buy it to make up for the three percent they lose. They're going to be ahead of the game, which which really is pricing power that you never really want to see a company have, and yet it's all over the place. It is all over the place, but you know, Apple I think is very specific because once you once you have an Apple product, you get used to it, you like it, you like the way it feels, like you know you're around. It is difficult, you know, if you switch to an Android product, it functions differently. You got to get used to how to find the same data, how do you operate, all that stuff. I don't, you know, I don't have an Android phone. I have an Apple. But to your point, when I need to upgrade my phone, it's going to get upgraded to another Apple. It just is, right? right. And and they make it, you know, while they raise the prices, you can do it through Verizon, then you pay it off over X amount of months, and that, you know, adds twenty dollars to your bill. You're not so worried. It doesn't really, it doesn't really hit you, you know, square between the eyes. The way if you go out and you you buy it, it's twelve hundred dollars. Um, I think it becomes a little bit more, you know, you, you're stunned a little bit more. But it, you know, if you do it through, oh, Verizon, says, oh yeah, you can do it. It's twenty dollars, not a big deal. They almost talk you into it. Well, I'm, I'm just, you know, but I, but I think you've. The, the family that's making the fifty grand a year with the four kids, I don't see how that guy buys four apples. Well, well, he doesn't. No, no, that guy probably doesn't buy four apples, right? I mean, he, either that or the apples he has, they just last longer and longer and longer. Maybe, maybe he buys a new apple every year and he rotates, right? He's not buying four four new apples in one year. Well, I don't. I mean, here's a question for. I'm not accusing either one of you guys to be uh, Mr. Phones because I don't think either one of you are. But if you actually are one, are you know, you see a lot, a lot of the young ladies, and you see a lot of guys too. I mean, where they 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 are on that thing constantly. Now I'm not. I mean, I obviously I use my regular phone to call clients and other kinds of regular my landline, and I'm watching the, the you know the, the computers screens in front of me. If you actually, I use the term beat the crap out of that thing 24 hours a day, like a lot of people do. When, when do they actually do they? When how long before they just wear out? I mean, they don't, they, is it a year, two years? Well, it's funny. It's how long does the how long does the before the battery starts to wear out, right? Because well, I mean the, the screens and everything. I mean, plus you're gonna the more you use it, the more you're gonna drop it. I mean, I mean, just in general. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think like a lot of people, I use my phone a lot because you become to depend on it so much, right? Um, although I don't know if I I don't know there must be people that use it more than I do, but I'm not sure. Like I have an Apple 12, right? So now that this is coming out Apple 15, I have found no reason to have to upgrade it. It works fine. It does everything I need it to do. Um, 
And so I haven't run right out to upgrade it over the last couple of years. And I'm not even sure I'm going to upgrade it this time either, because until it breaks down on me, uh, why should I, if it's working, why would I upgrade it? What, what if I went out and I decided to join the Apple crowd, which I never have, and I go on, you, you can go on somebody, well, place where I have my bill, you, you can get an Apple 7 if you want. I mean, how, how far how far behind the times am I if I get a 7 or 8? Well, yeah, you're behind the time. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anyone you have an Apple 7. That's probably not going to help you out. <laughs> okay, but where's where's the one where you, if you have it, it's got probably almost the same? Probably not even secure anymore. They okay. Probably, yeah, they, probably not. Yeah. So what, yeah, what number do you got to get to go to where, what do you need, like a 10 or something? I think it's got to be greater than 10, right? Okay. Matt, I think it's, you know, a 10 or a 12 right in there. Like, they're coming out with the Apple 15 now, right? So as it is, I'm already three years behind with my 12. But like I said, it works fine for me, and it does everything I need it to do, and I, I have no issues with it. Okay. Well, so but I, I think I, you have are to you, are you Are you worried at all about any of the valuations on this stuff? I look at, you know, some of the – the one I look at a lot is, is Walmart, and I, I think the company's doing really well. I just – I just don't see a retailer at twenty five, Kenny. I just, you know, I, I, with the interest rates going up, I, I just find it hard to believe. If it was twenty, I'd say that was okay too. You know, and that's but that's how many points in the stock. That's a lot. If if what was twenty the valuation? Yeah, the P, yeah, 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 yeah. No, so listen, I, I do agree with rates going up, I, and that's why I think there's going to be more uh, downside pressure in the broader market, right? Because I do think that rising rates, and by the way, I don't think the Fed is done yet. I'm in the camp that they're not done yet, that they're going to continue. They, they may pause down in September, but the rate, rate um, and so I think that's going to continue to be a headwind uh, for the markets and for stocks right now, which is why I think I think the market's got to reprice, right? And it's got to reprice lower. It's not going to be a crash, but I wouldn't be surprised if once again we see the market, you know, pull back eight or nine percent. I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to go into correction mode, but I think anywhere between zero and ten percent is still within the normal trading range, and I think that's about what we're going to see. I would I would agree with that. And by the way, I, I sure as hell hope you're right because but once you start sinking down you never exactly know who has to sell what correct and it's just correct you know and and you know but 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 there and also create some of the opportunity because people will sell what they can very quickly and so that's going to be names like walmart and apple and and amazon because they're big mega cap names and you can raise a lot of money fairly quickly but you're you're selling those names because you got to raise money not because right. necessarily well i don't change. i don't really oh, see i mean tooth i actually uh, well, my, my views right now is I think the real estate market is way higher than it was in 2007. And I think the stock market is pretty darn high, too. But what I don't see, Kenny, which is the good news is, even though the margin amounts are high, margin loans, they're not, they don't seem to be at massive record highs that you normally see at a top either. You know, so, I mean, they're not, they're high, but they're not grossly high. And same and same way in the, in the real estate market, I don't I don't really see... The huge catalyst for the downside, like in 2007, 2008, even though I think the valuations are actually higher. So, I mean, as long as I think, as long as we don't have some kind of deal where you know two million people get laid off or something, there's a good chance we could escape this. I think, or maybe, I'm, or am I just hoping, or, or what am I doing here? Well, you know, yeah, I, I don't know because I'm in your camp. I hope that's the way it is. Although I don't see, I'm still not sure that I see a soft landing. I still see it's going to be a bumpy landing, and I think look, all, all the a lot of the a lot of the talking heads, Larry Summers, former Treasury, he said that unemployment's got to go up with a five handle on it before they're going to succeed in getting inflation back to two cents and two percent. And if it goes up to a five handle, then it is going to get ugly, and that's not going to be considered a soft landing. 
I think that, uh, with all due respect, which which is what what, Matt, what Vito Corleone used to say when he hated somebody, right? I'm not doing that. <laughs> with all due respect, anybody who even quotes the unemployment rate that right. is the, that is the sloppiest, crummiest number in all of economics. Okay, well, I, I, I hear you. Yet, yet, a lot of them quote it, right? A lot of them look to that as be one of the indicators. So yeah, well, whether up or not, if they're all looking at the same data point, then they're all looking at the same data point. Well, when you've got 100, 105 million people that are, are not working for some reason, you being students retired or actually unemployed, whether the number that's actually looking for a job is 5 million or 6, I don't see how you even make that kind of a... I don't see how you even slice it that thinly, do you? Uh, no, I hear you. Uh, I hear you. I... Uh, but it is like what they it is what they've done. Yeah. So therefore, they're going to look at it, right? So a, until they change that model, um, until they change that model, it's not going to change. Do you, do you think? Here's a question for you. I don't, I don't know if, if anybody's asked you this yet. I mean, I think we've been around enough to know that the Fed, at least in the short term, controls the short term rates pretty much. I mean, not not all the time, but pretty much. I mean, if, if all of a sudden inflation expectations get crazy, they run up and they can't control that, but. They really don't control, even though they have for the last 10 years, by just overwhelming the market with cash, they really don't control as much long-term rates. Do you think there's a chance that even though they keep the, the short-term rate at the 5, 5 and a quarter, whatever the hell it is, that if this inflation keeps going, and people, I don't think it's all that off as much as they say it is, if all of a sudden gets, everybody gets a hair up there behind that you know, long-term inflation is going to be 3% because they really don't have it corralled, could you see these long-term rates going to like six or seven I, or eight? I, I, that, that's that's my big danger number, and I don't, I don't know how to predict that. I, 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 right now, I think inflation at at best is going to be three and a half percent, which, which to me gives about give us about a six and a half percent ten-year rate. We're not even close to that. that. That would wake some eyes up, I think. Right, that would definitely wake uh, wake some people up, but. The issue you're going to have, and you and I both remember this, is if the if, if inflation is expected to tick up tomorrow, CPI on both the month over month and year over year numbers is at the top line is supposed to be higher. Now they'll concentrate on excluding food and energy because those numbers are supposed to be lower. Except you and I, we live in the world every day, so we need food and energy. So I don't care if televisions are coming down in price, food and gas and utilities are going up in price, and that's what affects my psyche or my right. quality my living expenses, right? So if inflation continues to tick up and the Fed is forced that if they pause in September, then they have to raise in November and then they raise again in December, then I can see rates going, you know, clearly even higher. Do I think they get an 8%? No, I don't think certainly get an 8%. But I do think that I do think the terminal rate is going to get to 6%. That's up another half a percent. You're, you're talking about the short term. The short term rate, correct. Where do you, where do you think the 10 goes? Well, where's the ten right now? Four thirty, four twenty-seven, something like that. Uh, no, uh, four, four. Uh, well, four twenty-nine. You're, you're very close as usual. Right, it's yeah. four twenty-nine. Ten-year. I think the ten-year approach is four seventy-five-five. Yeah, I do too. I, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't see it staying below the the, the short term for. Listen, Jamie Diamond came out yesterday and said he wouldn't be buying bonds here right now because he thinks yields are going. He said you're going to get five point. I think he said 5.2 or 5.5 percent yields in the 10 year. Well, I I don't I don't know of any unless unless of course you and I were doing work for like an insurance company or something where they have to have to maintain their their ladders and stuff. I don't right. see you and I 
I mean, if you were, or, or certainly Dan Janitas, I don't see any of us ever putting Grandpa Maddie, Grandpa Maddie Weber's money in a 10-year bond at 5% or 4.5%. I, I, I can't imagine us doing that and get paid to do it and not getting fired. Yet, yeah, no. Yet, I mean, no, I can't. No, no, I agree with you. You might, you might put it in three and six months or maybe two years. Oh, we got, a, bo- we, we got a boatload in six months at <laughs> five and yeah, a half. Yeah. Right, because that's already paying you five and a half yeah. percent. And, and, it, and if it's a T-bill, and if you want to go buy a stock tomorrow, you can sell it in a second. It's as liquid as can be, right? Yeah, yeah, it is as liquid as can be. Exactly right. So, I mean, I, I mean, it just, I mean, it, you wonder, I mean, I, I know neither one of us ever bought one when it was at 1.6%, but some people right. did. I, I do have a good one, Kenny, and you're on, you know, you're on TV a lot. The thing that, no, that nobody ever says, and I'm surprised, well, you know, maybe you get fired if you did, but everybody talks about the guy in CNBC, you know what I'm talking about, and all he does yeah. is, 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 is uh, softball the Fed constantly. And they're talking about all these banks having all these 10, 10 and 30-year bonds. They're gagging on and how the Fed is, is trying to do something about it and control the banks. Why doesn't anybody say they're the ones that sold it to them? <laughs> how, 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 much, how much could they be after them for being idiots for buying it when they're the ones that sold it to them? Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> by the way, just going back to your your six month funding. Look, you could leave your money in a government money market fund that's completely liquid because that's paying you just over five percent as well, right? So you don't yeah. even have to go six months in the treasury. You could just stay in a government money market fund at five percent or five and a quarter percent. That's that's true. Most of our most of my guys, uh, we we trot off to the treasury for them every Monday morning. They they seem yeah. to like that. So plus it's cheap. I mean, hell, you plus you get you get the you don't have to pay the, the spread. You know, so right. It's a nice thing. Right Kenny, right. take care of yourself. Are you in Florida or where are you? I'm in Florida. I'm Jupiter, Florida. Yes, I am. I'll be here until next week. I'm going to go back to New York on uh, Tuesday night. I'll be there till Friday, and then uh, and then I'll be back in. Uh, I'll be back here again. Yeah. So I'm really between, really here in New York now for the rest of the year. All right. Good for you, bud. Good talking. The SP futures are down 13. The SP futures down 53. Be right back, Professor Hal Snar. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. 
With devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. There's something happening here. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Alvis, Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 13, NASDAQ Futures down 53. Giving back a little bit of yesterday. Do we have the professor? Hey, Ali, are you with us? Or are we uh, just... Hang on. Hang on, hang on. I can hear you. We can hear you. We got you. You can't open. All right, cool. What are you, what I'm are you... uh, trying to headphone. What do you uh, make of this piece of news out of Chicago here? Chicago Cubs star Dansby Swanson and uh, pro soccer star Mallory Swanson after a bitter and acrimonious bidding war with Matt and Jill Weber, but Theo Epstein's former Lakeview home for 3.5 mil. Would you guys stop at 3.45 minutes? <laughs> Good for them. Good for them. You know, uh, is she, she's... I'm surprised they didn't get a cheaper price given all the bad publicity around Epstein. Well, it doesn't make his house worth less. <laughs> it's probably a nice place. People don't want to buy a, Well, I mean, I guess people do want to buy a ghost house, right? A house attached to a ghost. I, re- I remember reading this article about uh, somebody trying to sell a cane on eBay, and they claimed it was attached to a ghost, and somebody sure enough purchased it. <laughs> so I don't know. What if it was a curse? Yeah. Well, maybe maybe some people like uh, curses and buy into them. I guess I don't know. Well, there was there was a <laughs> uh, shall we say a very bitter divorce from two market makers on the trading floor, to where the lady served the guy in the visitors gallery to start out the acrimony and and he ended up having to pay something to her and she was she was a piece of work of course i didn't know him very much but i knew her uh and she ended up he ended up having to pay her this check well she he went and got i guess you can go online and you can find somebody to put a curse on stuff and he had a curse put on the check so she went to court and the, the judge ruled that if the guy didn't want to go to jail for contempt he had to get the the, the, the curse removed from the check now, can you remove a yeah. curse, or do you have to? Do you have to get the same person who gave you the curse to remove the curse, or can anybody re- remove it? Well, it's equivalent to like people being outraged finding out that Mormons had baptized their dead. I mean, if you don't believe in Mormonism and you're not Christian, why do you care if dead, you know, your dead relatives were baptized by Mormons? I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. So it's kind of like my mother-in-law uh, not wanting to eat eggs other than cage-free, uh, whether they're cage-free or not. That doesn't affect the chemistry of the egg. The only that couldn't matter in the egg is whether um, what kind of feed the chickens are getting. I mean, that that right there might matter. Everybody wants. Their chi- they- don't you want your chickens to get along? Well, no. you know, one of the problems with cage-free chickens is that California mandates that all eggs in California, in California grocery stores, be cage-free. And one of the problems with that is only thirty percent of eggs that are um, hatched. I mean, uh, laid and uh, gathered, only 30% of them, I think, are cage-free. And so the the growers that want to sell in California, now they got to push their chickens outside into these outside pens 
and they got to feed them out there. And then you have these ducks and geese that land in the pens, which is probably why, we, maybe perhaps why we had a bird flu problem, right? So, yeah, I don't. You know, like you were saying earlier in the show, um, you know, you do one thing and you get these consequences, right? So, well, you, it's you uh, try to do the right thing. Who, who, who was it? It was some uh, Asian philosopher. No man can do only one thing. Yeah. I mean, whatever you. Well, do. Marx, Marx was a vision in a world where uh, we were liberated from our uh, capitalist self or our, our consumer self, and we're able to be, you know, uh, dairy farmers one day and writers the next day. And oddly enough, we're uh, I think we're headed that way, but not because of Marxism. We're headed that way because of chat GPT and, and, and technology and AI. Uh, eventually, all of us are going to have an AI that we work with personally, and that AI will, you know, balance our, our checking accounts. Well, I uh, have a, two, of the, two of our fine producers on the show um, went and uh, did their uh, fantasy draft and ran it through AI, and one got a D minus and one got an F, and they both <laughs> they both they both won this weekend. So. I'm not, I'm not so so I'm not so sure this AI is all it's cracked up to be. Just saying. Well, Let's see where they're at the end of the season. Yeah. I tell my students, you want to use AI to write your papers. Just be advised about AI. What is ChatGPT? It's the geekiest, nerdiest person who never sleeps, never needs, never needs to go to sleep, who just scrapes the internet for information. And we know that the internet does not lie. So the AI is this really smart person with zero common sense. And it, it's pretty easy to pick up on people who use ChatGPT, in my opinion, in paper, because it, it, it's great from like Google. And we know Google's not search. Google tells you what it wants you to think. Uh, so I, I tell them, you know, use it if you want, but it's not helping you. Maybe maybe you can use it to check an answer in a multiple choice you know, question that might be on a reading assignment. You know, something that the professor uses to just make sure the students are reading the book, right? Get them, get eyeballs in the book. You may want to use it for that, but um, it, it has zero common sense. But hey, it works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's really awesome at scraping truth and nonsense off the internet. I have a really, really stupid question. If students are going to start using AI to write papers, can a professor scan all the all the papers and have, have AI tell you if somebody used AI? Well, there there are uh, telltale signs that students are doing this. Like uh, a lot of professors tell me that uh, um, AI will uh, generate these uh, like not fake but like ridiculous citations, and all you gotta do is check the citations. The if the citations aren't real, that's a telltale sign that it's AI. There's other things that you can use to tell it, but also you can take it and drop it into a, a, a plagiarism program. Now, I don't teach English classes. Um, I teach quantitative courses like coding and uh, statistics, and then my in my economics classes, I, I reserve all the analysis for verbal interactions within class, um, and we just model. Our, our my classes are very mathematical, and we model. The economy, and then we we discuss the model in class, and everybody has to you know chime in and and apply an article that I shared with the particular model. So I, I use a project-based method for teaching instead of like what we would get at a, a, a 
public universities, you know, top R1 university with 800 students in it. The only way you can do that is with multiple choice testing. Um, but in my smaller classes, we really go deep on a model and then uh, we go around and just talk about it. So I think it's a lot more fun than being an R1. Well, it's, I mean, I went, at University of Chicago, the, uh, the, the Milton Friedman class, which I was ready to, uh, um, after he told me that it was a two part, two quarter class. And I went. I asked him. I said, "You know, I, I didn't take the I didn't take the first part." Uh, he goes, "I don't worry about it. They're, they're separate. Separate. Second part's different." Well, of course, we get to the final, and he goes, "It's going to cover both quarters." And I didn't have the first quarter, <laughs> and uh, plus, University of Chicago, can you, you had this weird thing that you two things. One is you can hang in a class, and if you saw the test and you said, "This is way over my head," you could withdraw. Right. Mm. So, and you got like three quarters of your tuition back. Wow. Or maybe it was two thirds, something like that. Or you could you could audit classes, and in the in the business school, everybody just wanted to get the hell out of there, so nobody audited anything. Economic school, yeah. there were people that were, were professional students. I was in I was in class with people that were like thirty five. You know, they just wow. they they'd audit a class a couple times before they take it for a grade. You know that kind of thing. So, his was the only class over there that had. You know, it wasn't a big arena, you know, kind of a arena lecture hall kind of place. It was the biggest one they had the economics. It probably held 80 people. You know, it wasn't like 300 or anything like that. So it was pretty full for class. I go for the final, and there's like 12 people there. And I'm going, oh, oh, bleep. And uh, so he gives everybody the, the, the take home was something like uh, he did a uh, was ti- some Time Magazine article regarding some company doing something and getting federal help and doing blah, blah, blah. And he just says, analyze this on a stock and flow analysis from back backwards and forwards, and who's it, who's it going to affect? And I'm sitting there going. So he basically had to write a whole economic treatise on some new policy some company was doing with the help of government, and you had to go through a whole list of all the all the consequences and every level of society where it was going to go. You know, it, you know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I if I could challenge AI with that one. I mean, I I, I was like. Where do we even start with this thing? It was like a master's paper, for God's sake. Well, of course, I was in a master's program, but, I mean, uh, that, that's the hardest thing. I mean, you see it all the time. We talk about it on the show all the time. You know, people did this. Did they realize that this was going to happen? You know, yeah. and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I sent out that memo yesterday to people regarding that they think that the big schools are going to have to start paying the smaller schools. You know, and, and Kevin writes back that he says, well, you know, he always, he really wants somebody, if he's a, uh, a head coach at a smaller school, and one of his assistant coaches gets a job with uh, Notre Dame. He wants to see him do well, and he's real happy that he trained the guy enough to where he could go get another job. You don't want to, you don't want to pin people that are old job. I mean, I, I I get that, and and I and I obviously, if I had a trader trading for me and he was ready to go on his own, I said fine. But there's a difference once in a while doing that and getting your psychic income. It's quite another if you're constantly training somebody so somebody else can nab them without any compensation to you. You know, I, and I don't know where the line is there, but you know what I'm talking about. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, the way I see it, the old coaching model was really flawed. I mean, you could just treat these players like uh, garbage. Like, for example, at Lewis Park State College, where I started college, like right out of high school, we had a. I don't know if anybody knows about this, but one of the greatest baseball dynasties of all time in college is the Lewis Park State College Warriors in the NEI 
And we hosted the World, we, I think we still host the World Series in Lewiston, Idaho. We won like 18 championships like in 25 years. Whoa. And, and Ed would bring all these, and I worked the bus terminal. So I would see recruits that were coming in from Nevada or California. They, they came in off the bus, right? And the, the, the enforcement man, the IA is almost non-existent. And I went to classes with these kids, right? So I, and I was observing it back then. But he, he would promise everybody, you know, you're going to start at first base and you're going to start at second base. And then you show up to camp and there's five guys promised first base. Yeah. Oh, already, yeah. right? Yeah. And so to me, I think it's a breath, breath of fresh air. And I think what you have to do is you have to follow the, like a Washington State model. Dirk, I think his name's Dirkett, Coach Dirkett at uh, Washington State. They just beat Wisconsin. Um, and I think you have to follow that model. I think what he's what kind of program he's trying to build he's trying to build this mentoring program where you know he's just a really good dude and you know he, he wants the best for the kids he's going to coach them up he's going to provide them with uh, you know lifelong lessons kind of be like a, a tough father on these, these kids and he's going to create I think he's trying to create an environment where kids go there and they don't want to leave you know, as opposed to Alabama, where you know every day it's cutthroat competition, and if you if you make a mistake in the game, you, you probably lose your position to somebody, and it's very crushing, right? But I think it's a very nurturing coach up, you know, a three a three star and a four star, or maybe a four star and a five star kind of situation, and the the people are kind, respectful, they treat you like a a, a man, they don't treat you like you know a, a soldier. You know, like they might have done in Oklahoma, uh, Nebraska, in the seventies or eighties. You're you're a human being who deserves respect, and I think when you when you do that, the kids will go over that hill for you. They will go over the hill for you, and they'll want to stay. And I think that's where college football is going. And you know what? If I was coaching these kids, and they had better opportunity, I, I kind of see it as you know, I train them up to be a good line worker at Taco Bell, and they get a better opportunity at McDonald's. You know. There's nothing that prevents them from going. From no, I, I agree. Stuff. I agree. So, you know, I, I love it. I actually love it. And I remember I, I heard that comment, um, the guy from Michigan, I think, said about um, the quarterback going to Notre Dame from Hartman. Yeah, from Wake Forest. He chose to stay in school. Yeah, Wake Forest. He, cho- he chose to stay in school because the NIL is giving them some pretty good money to stay in school. And so you might see a situation where, you know, kids – that might have gone to college and, and rolled the dice, they might stay, right? Washington State has two guys that are six-year seniors that play defensive ends, and these guys are studs, and they stay because they just love this coach so much. Well, I, I, I don't I, – uh, there's, as usual, I mean, what, what you say and what everybody else says on the show makes a lot of sense, but it's, it's such yeah. a large topic. Uh, yeah. I mean, you have uh, – what about what about my the guys I was talking about at University of Chicago? What if at thirty five are they still playing football? Well, there, there were guys at Idaho State University. I think one was a veteran, and he had never used any. He had never been to college, and he tried out for the football team. He was like thirty five years old. He didn't play football, and he never he never played before. He never went to college. He was in the military forever. I think he ended up starting. So I mean, who say it's a, a eighteen to twenty year old, twenty year old game? Well, I, I, you know, I mean, what you what you're describing, and it's funny how look, look where 
we've, we've just walked down the economic page here. I, mean, my, I started out a uh, show a while ago here this morning saying with 25 people that are on scholarship that are now grad students, there's 25 yeah. people that are undergrads now that don't have the scholarships. Yeah. Well, they, they have scholarships other places. Well, so, oh, but I, they don't have yet that institution. Right? I, I, I'm, what I'm saying is, they're, they're, every, everything you do, you something squeezes out. It's like silly putty. Okay, so it it seems to me that somewhere, someday, I, I think recruiting high school kids is a royal pain in the ass. I mean, I, oh, it is. You know, I mean, well, not to mention, is you know, it really with technology? Was yeah. it with with technology with AI? Can you imagine training an AI to go out to these? Uh, YouTube channels or TikTok or something, training AI to find talent. I could see that happening in the next five years. But but the economic model is, we're talking about an industry now is being driven by not people who care about somebody who gets a coaching job somewhere else, and that not people about caring about some. We're talking about it's it's become a regular business. It's it's getting a regular business. And well, I think it's always—it's always wanted to be a regular business. There's well, so many the, rules. But the coaches do. It. The rest of the school doesn't. Yeah, but it's always been the market wanted uh, playoffs, and the NCA for whatever reason refused the playoffs for well, the, decades. The market, the, the market, market wants the market wants eighteen-year-old kids to pay thirty games a year and have a and have an NCAA yeah. playoff like basketball. You can't do that to eighteen-year-old kids. Sorry. No. Well, you, you, but the market wants that in the NFL, and you know. Uh, they, they got it up to 18, and then you get rid of the then you get rid of the uh, preseason nonsense. I mean, the preseason was just so the owners back before big money cable uh, uh, deal could uh, you know. Well, had their it depends on how far back you go. It used to be yeah. if you go back to the 60s, the players th- this was not even their full time job. Football. These guys had to work in yeah. the off season, yeah. so when they showed up at training yeah. camp, they were they were out of shape and they needed. Six games yeah. to be able to play. Well, now it's a full yeah. year job. You don't, you don't, you don't need that. But uh, you know, it, it's funny how we just, yeah. just, just in conversation, how you, but you walk around the economic pieces of it. If somebody, I, I, I believe that you're going to find a team in in very short order. Although maybe not because you you, you lose the COVID year, but in very short order, you're going to find a team that has out of their 85 scholarships. There's going to be. Sixty of them grad schools and twenty five undergrad, at most. Well, I, I don't think that's necessarily bad uh, because you know those players. I mean, my my uh, nephew is in college. He's been redshirted, and my brother Ryan, is, his dad is a little upset, or he's kind of sad about it because he wanted to play right away. But go, Ryan, I'm telling you, I see eighteen year old boys when they show up on campus, and and his son is a big boy. I mean, six foot two. At 300 pounds and benches, I don't know, 350 and 600. He's a big boy. But by the time he is a senior in college, he's going to look like a completely different person. I mean, I see it every year. When I, when I see their photos in the photo rosters, it's always their freshman picture. And it's really hard to tell who that young man is. Is he the older brother of his previous self? Well, There's a massive I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care who he is at 18 years old unless he's Harmon Killebrew or somebody. I don't want that kid playing with somebody who's 24 across the line from him. No, no. The, the, difference, yeah. in, but, the difference in males yeah. between 18 and 24 is just too dramatic. Yeah, it, it's really dramatic. And you really notice it every year. 
like, you know, I'll joke with is that your little brother in the photo roster? No, just laugh, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, they don't look, that doesn't look the same person. Well, it's, it's going to be a, a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of PhD papers and stuff in there. What do you, what do you make? We got inflation numbers coming up this week. Let's talk a little more about the market and so forth. Inflation numbers tomorrow, uh, for what you can count on them. Uh, we have uh, Jamie Dimon talking about, even though the, the economy's hanging in there, don't expect it to hang in there forever, whatever that means. Uh, what, what do you what do you see on the? I mean, what do you what do you see on the horizon that the rest of us aren't seeing? I mean, by being away from it a little bit, right? It's staring at stock prices all day long. What do you what do you see in that maybe I'm missing or other people are missing? Well, I just see uh, the economy weakening, and it doesn't feel like it's weakening for you know people on news programs and reading the teleprompters, politicians, CDC. Everything sounds still fine to them, but I think for most other people, it's still really hard. And I, you know, I, I see the economy softening. Uh, you look at the revisions to the employment numbers. Uh, the revisions are always seems like the revisions are always negative uh, in the last year or two because I think they're lying. Honestly, I think they're lying. There's a, another way. No, another way to explain it. They're lying on the uh, uh, on the, the initial release of the data, and then they got to fix those lies with these massive negative revisions to the the. Uh, employer survey, right? If you look at the household survey, I think it makes a little more sense. But why do you think um, they? Why do you think they have to? Here's a real stupid question. Why do you think they have to fix it? They don't fix the CPI. They just lie every month. Yeah, I, you know, I think maybe it's just the way the CPI is put together, the way they they splice it together, the way they splice the uh, market facts that change every couple of years. Maybe it's just an artifact of what they do. Um, but to me, inflation is measured in. M2. I mean, I think it's the best measure of M2. How, how much has it grown relative to the past, right? Um, so that, that's how I, that, that's how I look at inflation. Um, with employment though, I mean, I don't, I don't remember a time. I don't know, when I was younger, maybe, maybe it wasn't this way, but I remember them always talking about the household survey. I never, I don't remember them really talking up the employer survey as much as they do now. Now they ignore completely the housing survey. They don't ever talk about it. Well, they 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 don't ignore it because the your unemployment rate comes out of this household survey. Well, but like you said to Kenny, uh, the household the, the unemployment rate is a flawed number because you're dividing by the labor force, and once you stop looking for work uh, in a four week period of time, the re- most recent four week period of time, you no longer considered the labor force. So right. uh, somebody that can't find work or somebody that's stuck in a house because their mortgage is three percent, and they they don't want to move, right? They're stuck in that house. They're anchored in that house, and they're unemployed. Uh, they're not included in the in the unemployment rate. So the unemployment rate is the most most ridiculous macroeconomic uh, trend that we have. It, it's just a ridiculous, and I, I don't understand why they use it. It's just a ridiculous. Yeah, I, I mentioned that earlier. I mean, because uh, Larry Summers was all over the unemployment rate, and. Uh, I did, you know, I, I, the risk the risk that I see, and, you know, you hear you heard from people on the show, Hal. I mean, Nancy was on yesterday, and uh, you know, Nancy's been doing mortgages for people, and Nancy's about as good as it gets. So if anybody, you know, has a mortgage in this area, doesn't call her. I mean, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. But uh, that would be up to you. Uh, uh, but I asked her how many out of the mortgage she's she's done in the last five seven years. How many of the couples could carry to place if either one of them lost a job? And she said, maybe thirty-five, forty percent, maybe. So that 
that that is that that's why I, I'm 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 worried about the economy because uh, those those kinds of things are real stress points. You know, if if somebody gets laid off and one person can carry it, well, you know, you don't you know it's bad, but you don't you don't go out to dinner that month or something. But but if if neither side can carry it. As I see these housing prices as being very high, even in relation to 2007, but they'll be okay as long as people aren't forced to, to sell. You know, yeah. so what what could force people to sell? Well, people get laid off. Well, if it's either one of the two, I mean, she uh, was mentioning three weeks ago she was on that some people now have the family has like two and a half jobs, mm-hmm. where, where yeah. they're both working. Yeah, that's, that's what the household survey is showing. Yeah. That's happening more and more, right? Now, this is the things that, these are the things I like to envision. I, I run these uh, experiments in my head. If mortgage rates weren't, you know, seven, eight, whatever, and they're down to like three still, right? How much migration would we have in that world, right? Where uh, you could sell your house in a state that you don't like, whether you're a Democrat, maybe you're a Democrat in a Republican state, you don't want to live there. Or are you Republican or Democrat state and you don't want to live there? How much migration would we have if uh, all of a sudden interest rates were like 3% like they were, you know, three, four years ago? I think you'd have a lot more migration. I think, I think social media is really creating a situation where you have people who just don't want to be around people who don't think like them. And that's not me. I, I like being around people who think differently. Because then I then I get to try out my opinion. I you know if I'm wrong I don't care. But I get to try out my opinions on people who might have more knowledge in a certain area. And I get to try them out. If they they fly right. But if you're hanging out with people who all think like you, you might be sharing just nonsense, right? You're a liberal and you're sharing your nonsense with liberals, or you're a conservative and you're sharing your your opinions with conservatives. You, you don't have an opportunity for those opinions to collide with well, somebody. Well, let's go to break here. I think hold that talk. I think I think in some areas it's 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 more than just opinions, though. That yeah, that's somewhat of a problem. And I, uh, well, when I when I say what I'm going to say, I hope I don't come across as uh, being conservative, or, or, or because I am in the middle. But uh, it's 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 going past opinions. I think SP futures not only down ten, as if he's on forty-seven, come back a little bit. We'll be, uh, be right back. Stocks and jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Station Jacks. I'm Tom Mountain. We're on the board. SP Futures down 975. We were down 13 or 14, so we're coming back some. Uh, NASDAQ down 45. We were down eh, 60, so we're coming back there a little bit. Dow Futures down 42, so a little bit of a down move following yesterday's big up move. So, you know, make that review. Yesterday the Dow was only up 87, but SP was up 29. NASDAQ was up 156, 1.1%. Tesla had a big day. Uh, Microsoft had a big day. A few stocks in that, in that area. Although, it was sort of weird. And NVIDIA started the day. We were doing the show up and then turned way around during the day. Yet, that didn't seem to mess with the market too much. Oracle's down 10% this morning as they came out. It seemed like they did pretty well in all their revenue and, and earnings numbers. But it had run up and evidently disappointed somebody. Somebody who's selling Dex down uh, 64.4%. Footsie up 33.4%. Uh, CAC Ryan down 12. So let's let's call uh, Europe kind of a wash here. Uh, over in Asia, Nikkei bouncing back up 308. That's 1%. Uh, Hang Seng down 70. Barely hanging in there over uh, 18,025. Shanghai down 5.2%. Uh, you know, as country garden shares have flown up, maybe they managed to pay their, their uh, interest payment. After the 30 or within hours of the 30 day grace period last week, so that, that area has at least stopped going down for a little while. Today, they're going back up. Uh, bonds down one basis point, 4.28, going down one basis point, 2.62. Japan unchanged at 0.71, which is again high. They've had a big move this week. Uh, oil, oil's up now, it's up 96 cents, it's a full 1%, 88.25. Run up 81 cents, 91.45. Natural gas up 7 cents, 2.68. Arbob unchanged, 2.73. As oil just keeps moving along here. Gold now down $14, 19.32. Just can't seem to hang in there at all. Uh, two week low, uh, stronger dollars is beat up on the gold. Silver down 23 cents, 23.15. Copper down a penny, 3.79. Uh, crypto up 1,100 bucks after being under 25,000. It spun around now, it's 26,174. Big move in crypto. Uh, euro, uh, well, the U.S. dollar is actually up a little bit as the euro is down to 107, and the British pound is down to 124. So the uh, dollar has been really pretty strong in the last 10 days or so. That's what's causing gold to have some problems in silver. Matty, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? 
36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We have a crash on the outbound Kennedy at Harlem Avenue that's been moved through the exit ramp. Uh, and that's causing a bit of a slowdown on the outbound side of the Kennedy. But the inbound side is actually looking uh, pretty good for this hour. We're just at about 50 minutes from O'Hare into downtown, which isn't too bad, uh, all things considered, with the road construction. So that appears to be getting a little bit better. The Edens is our slowest moving expressway, 78 minutes uh, from Lake Cook Road into downtown. Uh, no issues on the Eisenhower right now, just uh, normal traffic times for this hour. Uh, same for the Southside Expressways, uh, but just that crash on the outbound Kennedy is our biggest concern. Everything else looking okay out there. Weather today, we should be dry after a soggy day yesterday, but uh, temperatures are below normal. Partly cloudy skies with a high of 66. Right now it's overcast and 58 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 97. Right now it's clear and 89. In sports, Cubs beat the Rockies 5-4, scoring two in the top of the ninth to win that one in Colorado. Cubs remain three games out in the Central, uh, and they still hold on to that second wildcard spot, uh, two games up um, from uh, Arizona, who has the third spot. White Sox were rained out last night. They'll play a doubleheader against the Royals today down on the south side. First pitch of Game 1 is scheduled for 340, and then Game 2 will start 30 minutes after that game completes. Diamondbacks beat the Mets 4-3. Monday Night Football, it was not a good night for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, He left the game after four snaps with an apparent Achilles injury. We'll learn more probably today on the extent of that. Uh, But the Jets did rally back to win in overtime 22-16. Chief. Um, What do you suppose uh, if you open up the Matty Weber wall, we'd have to pay to get into the 340 game at Sox Park today? I would say, I mean, if you're just trying to get in, I mean, no more than five bucks. Yeah. What do you suppose we could get, like, the, the scout seats where we get the <laughs> buffet and the booze and everything else? Good question. I'd be tempted. Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> um, uh, you were talking, uh, Hal, about guys, guys, people maybe uh, not liking the, the politics and stuff and where they are and moving. You know, some of these areas are getting to the you – know, what side you're on, it's, it's not, they're not, they're not just arguing in bars and coffee shops. I mean, I mean they're, they're taking this to some huge level. I mean, I – I could see somebody in Evanston not really feeling like paying reparations to people yeah. coming out of it. Well, you said California. You said California, the voters. Yeah. I, I think I pulled last week that said, hey, voters are not into what is being proposed in San Francisco. They, they just don't support it at all. And, and what, 50% of California Democrats, progressives? And I think this poll was like 68% uh, last week. So. Uh, even even uh, progressives are kind of pushing back on this stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and the same thing with you know some of the right wing states. I mean, you could be, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm somewhat, well, I'm Catholic, so I'm not real real enthused about abortion, but I don't think it should be a secular issue to a huge extent. But in some of these states that want to, you know, ban people getting pills from across from another state and stuff, I mean, it's a little extreme. I mean, I I can see where. Yeah, you, I've had a, this conversation with my mother-in-law, and, and abortion is an interesting topic because, you know, a state like Alaska, for example, uh, you, you think it's pretty conservative, but I think it, more, it might be more libertarian, but um, abortion is allowed up into the moment of birth. Uh, New York, I think New York limits it to, like, 15 weeks. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, well, without getting, very, real, without getting really, abortion to discussion, I, I can't imagine anybody doing that that late. I mean, yeah. what... Yeah, I mean, it, well, I think in Oregon it's the same way. Oregon, Washington, they have similar laws. There's no restrictions on abortion. Well, 
there aren't other than common sense. Yeah. I mean, what what doctor would do that for God's sake? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I, to me, uh, you know, you know, personally, uh, I don't want government telling people what they can and cannot do. But personally, if if the person I had impregnated, um, she was having a baby, I, I would probably be opposed to it after say you know five or six weeks. Personally, well, yeah, I mean, you know, f- figure it out early, but you I, know, whatever. But I, I don't get, yeah, I don't, I don't want government forcing that decision on. Well, I don't. I, I think it is somewhat, somewhat crazy people to have. Are people I, are going to do it whether it's legal or not, right? Yeah, I mean, without you know other opinions that I've already given, I, I don't, I don't think the idea that, uh, well, we have an entire generation of people that think if it's legal, it's moral. Yeah, you know, that that's a problem in my opinion. There's but, a lot of moral things, in my opinion, that are legal. Right? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know, it, it, it's. It's legal to to go and buy marijuana and smoke it in your car and have it come out the, the rooftop like if it's a if it's a it's an old Actually western not uh, not legal to do that. Well, okay, but one's doesn't last time, mean they don't do it. Well, one's, I mean, I don't, there's you no cannot, test. You cannot smoke and drive. But there's but there's no test, is there? Uh, not that I, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's something, but I don't know. Actually. Well, you could you could well, probably take blood. That's illegal, that's illegal in New York. Then they're just not forcing that particular law. Yeah, they're not either. enforcing it. Uh, I'll agree with you there, but it is illegal completely, and they they even advertise that it, how it's illegal to uh, smoke and drive. Yeah. Doesn't uh, stop anyone. Well, driving back from the south side on Sunday from a nice dinner at my brother's, I got caught in bear traffic, and I'm on the Ryan Bridge, and it's there's no wind, right? I was getting high on the bridge. <laughs> I had the window open. I mean, it's, did you thank them? I, I guess I could, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean Hubbard's Cave. I mean, walking yeah, down the Eddie elevator. I mean, it's it's all over the place. <laughs> Did they try to recoup some of their expenses for acquiring the marijuana <laughs> by charging me? <laughs> but I mean, it's 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 crazy. That cost me five hundred dollars. You got to give me at least uh, ten bucks, man. Yeah. Um, question, uh, Hal. Question would regarding you uh, what what? How much positive externality or negative externality? Uh, well, it's it's. By the way, you know that that guy that guy recently died. Who came up with that term? He was like ninety six. He was at the University of Chicago, still. Uh, so, Coase. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. He wrote he wrote that when he was where at Oxford or someplace. He ended up at University. Yeah. Chicago. What was the term? I missed it. Uh, economic externality. Oh yeah, got it. Yeah, it's uh, cheap getting high from somebody else's marijuana smoke on the River Bridge. Yeah. Was is that a negative externality or is that a? <laughs> I, <laughs> Well, I don't know. Let's put it this way: if 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 it if it's if it was so bad that it stunk my clothes up that I had to had to wash them, it's a negative externality, right? But you don't like getting high. In yeah. other words, that's what you're saying. Yeah, right? I, was, I was never a big marijuana dude. That, that, uh, I, my, my room is my room is. You know what? Hal, I I I picked up one vice, uh, booze that I found myself able to handle, and I just figured out why should I keep trying them until I find one I can't. Yeah. Well, I have one. It's uh, caffeine. And, there you go. Uh, I was off it. I was off of it in the spring, but uh, with interviews and driving North Carolina back, I got back on it, and now I'm trying to get back off of it. Caffeine is just brutal to me. Well, I actually read something. Uh, somebody, some, there's always people doing huge studies, right? And uh, that there's areas of the brain that they... they Put people. What are those? They put those things on your head, and they figure out what parts of your brain are working. What do they call those stupid things, like a cat scan stuff or whatever? 
Anyway, so they, they had people in the morning, and they gave them just caffeine, and then they gave them coffee. And, and it turns out that the, you know, the, I'll use the term, the rush people get where they, they feel like they're, they can engage faster and they can think quicker and so forth. It's not just the caffeine. There's other stuff in coffee that works with the caffeine. If you just take caffeine, it doesn't get you anywhere near to the same place, evidently, mentally. With me, I love the taste of black coffee, no sugar, no milk, nothing. Just black coffee, freshly ground. I love that flavor. Yeah, and and evidently it's good for your I, brain, too, evidently, according to this study. I agree that uh, it, it's a package deal. Because there, there's nothing like a black cup of coffee in the morning uh, for me, because I just love that taste. Well, as we're as we're, we're going back and forth talking about everything here, but we're also mainly talking about what maybe cross-currents could could cause a problem in the economy, and we're not we're not trying. I mean, we're doing it for two reasons. One is, I mean, I manage money, and if if I see one coming, I want to get my people the hell out of the way, you know, yeah. to the extent. I mean, it's my job, you know. And, and if I could, if I could see something happen and, and head people off from losing a bunch of money three days before it happens, I mean, uh, that's what I what I'd like to be able to do for people. It's very difficult to do that, I uh, because what ends up happening hell is even if you see something coming. You're usually early, right? You can say, well, yeah. God, you know, this looks lousy. I better do something. But you're, you're going to be early probably because you're going to see something before anybody else does. I mean, it's you can you – can, one of the most arrogant things about trading is, in one man's opinion, um, if you think that, oh, my God, you know, and I don't think this, by the way, God, IBM, you know, the, the chairman, you know, she's a mess or he's a mess or something, and this company, and all their books are all lousy, and you may be 100% right, but – it's arrogant to say I'm going to do that as soon as the market opens today, and by noon, everybody else is going to read the same thing or see the same thing I did, and they're going to, and all of a sudden the stock's going to go into, into the dumper. If I'm right, it might be two years from now, right? So it, it could be like any time. But I look at this. There was an article yesterday which kind of kicked me out of this it's a CNBC uh, article, not the guys on TV, talking about how our national debt is getting real close to 33 trillion, and and, yeah. right, and right now after COVID. Uh, no, we're still not. We still got some stuff that they're spending because of that uh, catch up. You know, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. That's but that's what they're doing. We're still talking federal tax revenue of four point four trillion, and and federal spending six point five. So we're essentially thirty two percent in the hole. And uh, you know, we're talking two trillion dollars a year, two point one. I I know I can't trade on that today, Hal. But I know that because I've done that before, and it hasn't worked out so hot. Uh, I also know if I last forty more years in this world, that's that, that can't that can't go on for forty years. So, I, yeah. so what? It, what is? Where's the day that I have to take my people that I have protected anyway and buy an extra put or two or something, so we actually have a little downside potential? I mean, when when's the, when do those two lines cross? You know, you know. I know it's not going to be here forty years from now. I also know that probably everybody's going to wake up today and say, "This chief guy, he's worried. We're worried. We're all going to, you know, do something." Um, how do how do we not see, regardless, Republicans, this guy, that guy, and they're going to cut rates and get more revenue? It's all. Be, when are we going to make a, take a huge chunk out of somebody's pocket, taxation wise? Which I sure as hell don't want to see, or we're going to stop a third of our spending, which I can't see at all. I mean, 
when, when does this become an issue? And we could probably, if you and I were to talk for another three hours, we could probably find ten other issues just like that, not as big as this one, where we say, okay, today it's, I mean, like the mortgage rates or, or the housing rates right now. I think they, they're far exceeded the average, the average American's ability to pay this interest rate in this house. And, and you got two people working, you're stretched to the limit, and that's what everybody's doing, and, and they're hoping for the best. Okay, but if, I don't think we have the same problems of the leverage and stuff like we did in 2007, so I think there's a chance we get away with it. But I also know that two years from now, the, the median house is not going to be 600 grand with the median family making 60 grand. It, it, it just can't happen. Now, where, yeah. where along the line, Hal, does you know, do the two planes hit each other, I guess is my question. And that's the hardest part to figure. Well, I think the problem with it is the, the politics, right? I mean, are Democrats going to uh, all of a sudden say, we need to get, you know, some spending cuts? No. Are the Republicans going to go for tax cuts? No. So we're kind of stuck in this situation. Uh, and the Fed is going to have to print the money to paper over those deficits. So, you know, if if you're talking to investors, what you do is you can't fight fiscal policy and you can't fight the monetary policy. So what do you do? You have to go, you have to play the inflation, right? You want to put your money in things that you know are going to go up. So that, that's one thing. And it, it's not sustainable. I, I think it's going to get to the point where, I mean, when all this old debt rolls off at the Treasury and they have to refinance the old debt with new debt, we're not talking about you know, the, the actual budget deficit. We're talking about the old debt at, you know, 2% maturing. And all of a sudden, what are you going to do? How are you going to pay that? How are you going to, how are you going to pay those, uh, future values, the face value of those, those treasuries? Well, you have to issue new treasuries. And when that happens, it can get, uh, a lot worse. Because I think about 30% of it is going to roll off pretty soon. Well, if they're so, paying 5% instead of 2 Five percent yeah. of thirty-three trillion is one point yeah. six trillion. That's that's like a hell of a lot to pay every year. So that, eventually, that that debt they issued when interest rates were two percent at Treasury, they got to pay that back, and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to issue new new bonds, new notes, new bills to do that. And you know, um, that, then it gets really bad. So you know, I just know the the politics that. The Democrats are never going to admit that they're wrong. The Republicans are never going to admit they're wrong. And people, you know, the more we get siloed, uh, people uh, are going to vote for the people, for the, 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 the politicians that give them what they want. And so I don't think it ends well. Uh, honestly, I think it ends in the, the the nation splitting apart. I just don't think it ends well, honestly. You know, borders, I don't want this to happen. The borders over a long enough time period are very fluid things. You look at Russia, for example. There's a there's a map of Russia, a video map of Russia through time, and it shrinks down to Moscow, and then it expands, and then it contracts, and expands, contracts. And you know, borders over long enough time horizon are very fluid things. I, I don't I don't see this ending well, honestly. No, I don't see the politicians owning up to their mistakes. Well, they can't. They can't. Uh, both sides are so full of crap, in my opinion. The Democrats yeah. want to spend everything and, and essentially buy votes from everybody, their people, by giving them stuff. Republicans want to drag the taxes down to a level. I mean, I'm not talking about the regular people because they, the Republicans uh, 
are, are just as happy to charge regular people. But for rich people, not paying taxes is a natural is a national sport. You know, yeah. and, and uh, I mean, and you can just you know, they still have, despite the, the Trump's things. I, I think you can actually save more money from being overseas now than you ever could before, even though he supposedly yeah. fixed that. I mean, and you and you have people that, uh, whatever their rates are such that you have uh, you know the. Uh, asset value, you know, piggy move up when somebody dies. Okay, so nobody ever pays taxes on that. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff buried in there. And and, and by the way, I, I don't want to pay any more taxes. I, I, I think everybody knows that. But I also know that as long as one side gets to lie w- one way and the other side gets to lie one way, and every single year it gets worse and worse and worse, someday, somewhere, either, either I, I think they end up having a, uh, you know, all of a sudden you're going to get paid back 80 cents on the buck or something. I mean, what, how else can you do it? Hell, I mean, uh, well, I mean, I, what, what, else, what else can you do? I mean, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have a default. I think the, only, the real solution is to, you have to change the Fed. I mean, the Fed is the problem because the Fed uh, buys the bonds directly or indirectly from Treasury. I mean, they buy them. They, they bought them all this. I mean, without the Fed buying these bonds from banks, Banks wouldn't have bought them in the first place, right? So the Fed buys them directly or indirectly, and because of that, it creates a moral hazard. <clears throat> and these politicians, you know, they get elected by bringing home the, the bacon, bringing home the goods to their constituencies. But, they're, but they, but they bring home the goods for a short term, for two years. Yeah, yeah, and so they run these huge deficits, right? And why do they? Why, how do they get away with running these huge deficits? Well, one, or the reserve currency, and two, the Fed will buy it if nobody else does. See, I, so I, I that, think... that, that they're, they're the they're the crack dealers, right? They're, they're enabling the addiction that the Fed is. So we have to change the Fed. Uh, see, I, I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree and disagree. Okay, I I don't think changing the institution. I have the same argument with you on this. I do with my brother regarding the tax stuff. He thinks if we went to a value added tax. It would be way better. And my point is, if you let the same people write the code, the same people are going to be advantaged in the new code as they are in the old code. The problem, oh, yeah. But I, mean, I think what's happening, what you just said, what I disagree with actually totally, is right now the Fed has done, in my opinion, for the last 25 years, a piss-poor job. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I, because, I because they're not, they're supposed to be independent, yet they're not. Yet the politics, the, the politics of it is, and I listened to uh, some people's new hero, this DeSantis guy in Florida, and somebody was interviewing him, and they said, what about the Fed? And he said, well, they didn't do a very good job. They created this inflation and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to say, I don't know that much about that guy, but what I do read and know, like most politicians, he has an enormous ego. Yeah. If, if he was president tomorrow in the in the – and he walked over to the Fed and said, we're going to come through with this program, we're going to cut taxes, and we believe that in the, in the long run it's going to be accretive to revenue because people are going to use the money to be all this industrious and all the other crap that Republicans usually come up with on this. Uh, and we want you to finance stuff for a while. If the guy says, I'm not doing it, he's out. The, the chances of the Fed chairman disagreeing with a DeSantis president, you're, you're right back where you started from. He thinks that guy works for him, right? Yeah. I mean, this, this, oh, yeah. This guy, oh, Paul, oh, oh. I mean, what, what, what could he have done differently in the last three years? 
He could have stood up on national TV and said, you guys knock yourself out. I'm, I'm giving you a, a 5% increase in money supply rather than the three I should be doing. The rest of it, if you want to put money out there, you better either tax it or borrow it because I'm not helping more than this amount. The guy would have been skewered. Na- name me anybody who has the balls to do that in this day and age. Yeah, nobody does. Who, who would that even be? It was some combination of Solomon and, and Genghis Khan? I mean, who would that even be? They could, they, could, they could actually stand up to everybody and say, because those are the people that put him in office, right? He's going to stand up to all those guys. Hey, you congressman just voted for me. Hey, the president just appointed me. Pound sand. I'm not helping you. That, that, yeah. that is well, not going to happen. If we're going to keep the Fed, it has to just look at M2 and just grow it at a nice, stable rate. That's it, period. And the story. No more, no more bailing out the Republicans. No more bailing out the Democrats for their massive deficits. Don't, don't have the Fed worry about unemployment or GDP growth. Name uh, me, name me, a, name me a person. Hell, name, name me a person in any kind of a, a high-profile spot, big political job, even a CEO or something, or, or a mayor. Name me somebody who actually is capable of hiring somebody who's independent. To them, oh, I, I, I don't think it's possible. But, I think I think I, I think I'd probably do it because I've never, I don't want the job, but I think I can, I think I can do it because you know, I have never. But hell, I, I, hell, hell you, you, you and I could do it because we're nuts. Yeah. We're yeah. nuts. We're, we're we're in the collective world, and a lot of times you you and I are at the the idiot end of the of the bench. We we actually yeah. would. If I was mayor, hire a uh, what do they call it? The people, the governmental control person, who actually, or inspector, who actually was independent for me. I would actually do that. that that's why I'm not mayor, because <laughs> anybody who thinks like that is never going to be mayor. Right? I know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would, I would say, you know what? We're not going to worry about unemployment anymore. We're not going to worry about GDP growth. Inflation comes from excessive money growth, and you know, if you want me to be Fed chair, we're gonna, we're gonna dial. I'm gonna. That I'm going to machine, create a machine, an AI that will just monitor MT growth, and we're going to make maintain MT growth at two percent, and we're going to leave it, and then we'll we'll go fly fishing. Or that's what I do. Or or you or you could be sane about it, and if you're president or the chairman of the House and the Senate, sit in one room and call the head of the Fed and said, "You're growing money supply at three percent. We've got this crisis. We got to do some." What's the best you think you can do without killing us with inflation and everything? The Fed chair, the, the Fed chair might say, "I can give you four and a half for for two years without wrecking much stuff, or or five. I would, say, I would say two because the crisis will end pretty soon. Okay, but I'm saying that that's how the that's how you ought to do it, and then we and we can say, okay, that's the best he can help us with in the short term. We got to work around it. We got to do taxes. We got to borrow it. Wouldn't be Tom because I would say I, the best I can do is two percent. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but whatever the number is, if if you if you actually if if the guy actually has the power, that's how the <laughs> phone call should be made. But it's not; he doesn't have the power. He can't go against these people. Yeah. Just saying. Take care of yourself, bud. SP futures down thirteen. Okay. Nasdaq futures down fifty four. Might have a little bit of a comeback here today, but I don't know. We might rally up to as well. We'll we'll know tomorrow. Stocks and jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. That's all, folks.